Welcome, welcome everybody. This is the TF1 Podcast. This is your humble and gracious host, Trey. From wherever in the globe you are listening to, I am happy to see you guys back again. So this is our final testing roundup and 2022 new season upcoming preview. So a lot of exciting things to talk about. Let's get right into it. Let's go. All right, guys. So we finally ended testing for the 2022 F1 season. We actually ended testing on Saturday. Uh, This was in Bahrain. So this is kind of a really exciting time for F1 because it's a number of things that are coming together. So you're talking about a new concept of the cars, new designs, new rule changes. We have seen the biggest rule change in F1 in over uh, between 40 to 50 years. This has been an incredible rule change where the rule book has been torn to half. And so we are seeing how different teams, you know, up and down the grid, how they've adapted, how they've designed their cars And um, it's great for the fans that there have been different teams that have come up with completely different designs. So, you know, even in the parameter that the FIA has given you and Formula One has given you to see these brilliant engineers come up with different solutions. Look at the shape of the, the Ferrari F1 car, which has a very distinct you know, side pods and the veins that go around that, then look at the new upgrade that turned, that turned heads that Mercedes uh, came up with in Bahrain and their car almost has no side pod and a very unique design. So you look at that, you then look at Red Bull had another uh, major upgrade to their design and their side pod also has been really minimized, but they've done further upgrades and changes to the under tray and, and the way the air flows at the bottom for the ground effects. So we are seeing the level of development just between, we're talking about between last week, the Barcelona test and this final test in Bahrain, even in a week uh, week's time, in seven days, these teams, you know, the level of information they compiled last week and now the changes that they're gearing up, uh, the changes they've made to gear up for the, you know, the first race, which is right around the corner in Bahrain, we're going to have free practice on Friday. It's, it's just really amazing to see how fast they are uh, computing and crunching the numbers and then adjusting the cars to that. So... Before I get into the main preview for the new upcoming season, so let's do our roundup for the test uh, because the test is now concluded for this season. Um, it, it's not a lot of days, guys. It's six days. So if you think about the amount of changes that these teams had to go through just to have six days of testing, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have issues that you did not see in the wind tunnel come up. That's that's actually not a lot of days, but kudos to them. They've pounded a lot of miles 
Um, they've done a lot of things in order to get information and to get their uh, to get to know their car better. So let's look at the roundup and let's see what we've observed. What have we learned from testing, and and what can we look forward to? Okay, so. I'm going to start off with, so on the final day of testing, um, the Red Bull team under the hands of Max Verstappen, they set the fastest pace um, of all of of all of testing. They did that. They set that on the final day on Saturday. So, you know, uh, Max Verstappen did have the softest compound of tires. So let's keep that in mind, because whenever you mention times and whenever you mention testing, we always have to keep in mind, it depends what kind of tires that the driver had on. We're never going to know what kind of fuel load was, was on there. The car may be light, but regardless of those circumstances, uh, Red Bull definitely unleashed and, uh, did not hold back. So that tells us, you know, the kind of capability that car is possibly going to have during the season. Uh, they set a blistering pace on the final day. So you can you can sort of, uh, you know, ascertain that they definitely have a very strong uh, design, very strong design code that they have in the car and design direction that you can see is going to be a very competitive car. Um, Max Verstappen was actually asked uh, by a journalist, and I'm so glad she asked him this question. Uh, I mean, drivers typically are not going to give a lot away, but she asked him, was he pushing uh, 100%? Was it full beans? Was it, uh, you know, were you giving it everything you have? And like I said, 99% of drivers are never going to, even if they were doing that, they're never going to tell you they, they did that. But uh, Max didn't even smile or hesitate. He said no. So what that's telling you is, yes, we set the fastest time, but that's not even the maximum that the car can do that. Um, you know, I'm just testing to see what the limit is. So, you know, that's, that's going to be a statement mark for the competition. They're going to see the time that was set. So, that's a statement mark from Red Bull, and they, they seem to have built another competitive car. Let's uh, now go to another front-runner team, one of the biggest competi- you know, competitions to Red Bull, the, the Constructors' Champion from last year, the, the reigning constructor, uh, constructor Champions, that would be Mercedes. Um, all eyes are typically always glued on Mercedes because... Of course, uh, with the amount of success that Mercedes have and the kind of cars that they build, uh, all eyes are typically on them. All eyes are typically on Red Bull. So how did their test overall go? Well, first and foremost, Mercedes has had a very productive test, meaning in Barcelona and in Bahrain, these guys, like they always typically do, have been generating miles upon miles and laps upon laps of information. So they've really not necessarily concentrated on on being on top of the timesheets. What they have done is they have really concentrated on gaining information. Now, unlike other years, one observation, or I should say one of the main observations from these two tests for Mercedes is 
Mercedes definitely have issues. Now, what do I mean by issues? Well, first and foremost, one of the biggest things they're having to do is the car during testing hasn't uh, hasn't been the most compliant to the drivers because it's still going through the buzzword uh, of, of testing for most teams in the paddock that that uh, proposing that, that what they refer to as proposing, which is the cars basically undulating up and down, especially on the straights. So this, you know, highly uncomfortable bouncing effect that's been happening to most of the cars because of the rule changes and the ground effects uh, tray that they have at the bottom, the, the air going through the under part of the floor. You know, this is part of the rule change that the Formula One has introduced to the cars. So it is making these cars behave much different than they should do. And so some of the teams, for example, Red Bull, uh, even Ferrari, they've brought different changes to cure what, uh, you know, that that effect that was the, the bouncing effect that was going on in the first test. But it looks like with the Mercedes car, you know, they introduced a huge, huge upgrade in Bahrain. That is Mercedes, you know, the, the, the side pods and I should say the lack of side pods was turning eyes it had rival team bosses making comments so they seem to have a very revolutionary design but it needs to be dialed in and it looks like you know they have some work to do so just from the point of view of you know not being in the team as an outsider who pays a lot of attention to the tests and what's happened my thoughts are that unlike previous years, it does seem like Mercedes is a little bit behind Ferrari and Red Bull in terms of the development of the car. Now, well, you know, as soon as I say the sentence, I should add the caveat that most of us should also remember what happened in testing last year. So if you remember in testing last year, uh, Red Bull definitely had the car that that performed uh, much better in testing than Mercedes. They had a more compliant car. They had uh, a more agile car and they were actually setting the fastest times in testing. But what happened at the first race? So be, be between the end of last year's test, Mercedes's uh rate of development of their car is pretty much unmatched compared to any other of the teams on the grid. There's a reason why they're the eight-time constructor champions back-to-back. -back. So what happened was even though Red Bull had the upper hand in testing, when it came to the first race, they meaning Mercedes actually took the victory. So they had improved their car to a level that enabled them to get victory uh, last year. So I'm not saying that we're going to see that this year because none of us know. None of us have a crystal ball, obviously. But I do say that in the sense of now there's still a week, you know, can they unlock um, some potential that, you know, we haven't seen in testing. 
I'm sure they're going to work flat out. But, you know, Ferrari are going to do the same thing. Maybe not to the level of Mercedes. Red Bull are going to do the same thing. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's never a safe thing to underestimate Mercedes. In my humble analysis, I think they may be a little bit behind. So maybe the first and second race, they may not have the pace that Red Bull and Ferrari have. I'm not sure. That's the exciting part about looking forward to this season. We're just going to have to wait and see. But I, I know one thing for sure. If you listen to the driver comments that are coming from George Russell, if you listen to Lewis Hamilton, who was, by the way, he did uh, he did give um, an interview in the last day of testing. And what he said was, you know, you guys out there may think, oh, you know, they're just saying this to uh, kind of downplay the pace that we have. But in reality, he said, it, it's very clear to see. You can look at the video. You can, you know, I mean, there are very clear indications that Mercedes may be possibly on the back foot. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But that is how you know, just overall how the testing for Mercedes went again, just covering the two top, you know, uh, top teams and, and the teams that, you know, have the resources to be at the top, the, you know, Red Bull and Mercedes, of course, fought, fought to the very end last season. We're going to see if Ferrari is going to join the party this year, but now they do definitely have some issues to fix. Um, so, Next, what I wanted to get into is speaking of Ferrari, that that just brings us a nice uh, segue to, are they going to, is the prancing horse, the the famous team, are they going to join the party for being competitive enough to join Mercedes and Red Bull in a three-way fight? Well, what I can say is from most people's analysis of testing, um, Ferrari are looking very good now. You know, when we say they're looking very good, well, well, what what does that entail, and what what leads us to believe that they're looking very good? First and foremost, I personally, I mean, I've you know seen testing for probably over 15, 16 years. I don't ever remember having seen a more smoother uh, preseason testing for Ferrari than I have this year. Those uh, sentiments actually were echoed by Sainz too. And, you know, I mean, Sainz has been with the team two, three years, so it's not like he's been with them a long time, but he's a very experienced driver that has been with a lot of teams. So for him to say that comment lets you know uh, the drivers are very positive about the car. And I'll tell you guys, this is very telling. With with testing and with Ferrari, the drivers, meaning Leclerc and Sainz, were actually comfortable with the car from day one. I'm talking about in Barcelona day one. Observers that were trackside, you know, that can physically look at, you know, were only, there weren't really any cameras allowed at the first test in Barcelona, but of course, F1 you know, uh, cameras were there. So at the end of the day, we did see footage of the cars, but from people who were, you know, F1 journalists that were personally at the track, uh, 
one of the observations that I heard that they made was right away, the two drivers, uh, meaning Leclerc and Sainz, could actually attack. They felt comfortable with the car. Right away, they were pounding the miles. You know, this is not the case for the other teams because uh, it, it took it took a moment for a lot of the other drivers to kind of get to the point where they are pushing the cars. So um, it looks like they've the Ferrari have built a pretty reliable car. And like I said, the, the drivers are very positive about it. So uh, the, the, the prancing horse, they've been, they've been really efficient. They've gone, you know, with their program. They haven't had reliability issues. So I think, I personally think this is going to be a really strong year for the red team. I affectionately call the red team. Um, we're going to have to see how things play out, but it's going to be very interesting to see. And I really look forward to them joining the three-way uh, fight between Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari. And I think they've made good gains with their engine. Like I said, their reliability um, so far, you know, unless there's something unexpected that happens, all the things when you add, actually, when you add them up, um, they seem to be uh, creating a very good picture that they are going to be in the fight. And not only are they going to be in the fight, but especially at the early part of the season, so I'm referring to the three, four races, um, who knows? They may even have the upper hand over Red Bull and Mercedes. So let's stay tuned and, and let's see how that is going to play out. The other team I wanted to touch on um, doing this testing roundup that we're doing is you know, McLaren looks to have built a really good car in Barcelona. They were posting very competitive times. Uh, it looks like their car's pretty responsive um, on the track. When you see them testing different tires and everything, the car looks uh, looks to be really stable. Now, in the second and final test in Bahrain, Unfortunately for McLaren, this has been, I don't want to call it a nightmare race, but it has been a pretty challenging test. I said race, excuse me, I meant test. Um, this has been a really, really challenging test for them. And it's been challenging for a number of reasons. First and foremost, one of their drivers, Daniel Ricciardo, we were told that he was ill and that he's not going to participate in testing, which was pretty odd. They they didn't mention what the cause was. They didn't get into any detail. They just said that Lando Norris is going to take over testing duties. So meaning, you know, Lando Norris is kind of working overtime, basically, because the other driver in the team is not available. And so... Um, he was conducting that test alone. So first and foremost, you know, that's a big disadvantage for your for your team, because one of your drivers is losing out on very valuable track time. You know, as as I said before, there's very limited testing. So if one of your drivers is not in the car, he's not getting more used to and acclimatizing himself to the car that's a disadvantage for the driver. That's a disadvantage for you as a team. So that was not positive. That was not good. 
to make matters worse, pretty much, I want to say on the last day of testing, then we get a press release that he's actually, uh, the illness was COVID. He had contracted COVID. So like I said, that's something that they had not disclosed. And, you know, again, I hope he feels better. I hope he gets better. But of course, there's no timing that's good timing to be sick. But when we're talking about race drivers, this couldn't have happened at a worse time because, like I said, you know, Ricardo in the McLaren, he had a really hard time last year getting used to how to drive the car. Now, this year's car obviously is completely different. It's going to have a different feeling. It's going to have a different vibe because it's a whole new regulation change. But, you know, Ricardo needed all the miles that he can get in this new vehicle because, of course, you know, he wants to make sure he was going to stay on top of it, but that's not going to happen because of his illness. So yeah, Lando Norris covered all those miles. The other uh, real challenging aspect of their test was they had overheating problems with their front brakes uh, throughout testing. And um, it it limited the mileage that they were going to do. It actually... um, you know, it actually is something that one of their drivers, Lando Norris, commented that he doesn't even think there's a quick fix to this issue. Now, keep in mind, there's only a week now. You know, we're actually in the race week right now on Monday. So, you know, there's less than a week in order to get this um, fixed and find a solution. So, it's been uh, a challenging last uh, final test for McLaren. Obviously, uh, they had to make a contingency plan in case, you know, Ricardo has to test positive um, before he gets back in the car. So just in case he's not able to do that, they have asked Alpine, the team Alpine, their reserve driver, Um, If they can go ahead and share that with them and they're going to go ahead and do that. They have uh, um, a pretty uh, talented driver in the lower uh, series. And he's going to just in case uh, Mercado can't go, they're going to give him a chance to drive um, alongside Norris. So we're just going to have to see how that plays out closer to when Friday comes along a free practice training. We're going to see if Ricardo is going to be able to go that weekend or if he's going to have to sit out at least one race. So we're going to have to see how that plays out. But it's been a tough last test for McLaren. So, um, you know, while we're doing the roundup, of course, without even going to every team on the grid that so us covering Red Bull, Mercedes and the prancing horse Ferrari. And now we've we've uh, covered McLaren. The midfield battle is going to be really, really close this year. So you have Alpine who kind of struggled a little bit, but it looks like on the final day of testing, they seem to have found a direction that, you know, has kind of unlocked the car a little bit for them. They seem pretty competitive. You have AlphaTauri who, who seem pretty decent. Their car actually looks pretty good. Obviously, they take a lot of their cues from Red Bull uh, being the sister team that they are. So uh, between Yuki and Gasly, we're going to we're going to see the the card looks seems decent. Um, Austin Martin 
that's another one with that beautiful design and green color that they have. Um, you know, the car on track hasn't necessarily blown anybody away, but it also hasn't been bad. So we're just, you know, we're going to see what performance they can extract away from it. It, it looks pretty decent. Um, if you look at uh, Haas, which, you know, has been a really interesting team to look at the past week because Kevin Magnuson, their former driver, uh, none of us expected him to be back in the team, but he was brought back. Um, and I think that's a really, really major good move uh, by Haas because the reason being, obviously the reason Kevin Magnuson is in there, uh, just for folks that may have not realized, I'm sure most people follow closely, understand that the Haas, their major backer um, and sponsor of the team, Urakali, the company Urakali is a Russian team. Um, that their their driver Mazepin was actually the the owner's son. Uh, the, you know, the sponsor uh, company from Russia, Urakali. So with the war that is going on, uh, the team, the Haas team, just uh, with unison with F1, decided that it is not prudent for them to continue in the sport as sponsors. So when that happened, uh, the, the, the son, uh, Mazepin, was no longer driving for the team. So that was the gateway and the door that opened for Kevin Magnuson. He's, you know, really grew up with the team. He has a lot of experience. So uh, with Schumacher, who's a very promising um, driver in that has second seat, this now for the first time kind of gives him a good benchmark. Somebody he can really learn from um, the Haas team you know, um, has a great relationship with Kevin Magnuson. And it was a situation, you know, two years ago when they parted ways, they really had to let him go so they can get sponsorship in the team. And, you know, the team does not get to a point where, uh, it is not financially able to, to maintain itself. So, you know, it's a necessity that the Haas team had to do. But he's back in the team now, like we say, different circumstances. But with the new rule regulations, it's always really positive for you to have, you know, somebody that has a lot of experience in the driving. He actually, uh, him being Kevin Magnussen, set a very competitive time at the end of Barcelona. It was actually at the top of the timesheets. Now, he did set it outside of the hours where the other cars were going. So the track was pretty uh, cooled down and, you know, by most estimates, you know, it didn't have a lot of fuel in it, but regardless of what the reason is, it just looks like the Haas team in general has made an improvement. So it's going to be interesting to see how that team, um, has progressed. If, you know, they, they had the most time out of any team on the grid last year, because, you know, they came out publicly and said, Hey, we're not even going to working on our 2021 car. We're going to put all our resources and time into the 2022 car. So they spent the the most time. The design of the car looks really decent. So we're gonna we're gonna have to see how that plays out. But that looks really decent. So that um, almost rounds up testing. Now Williams. We just got to briefly touch on Williams. Um, Williams seems to be another team 
that they they seem to have a real de- decent design, but they've had reliability issues just like Haas. So um, on one of the days in testing Bahrain, they had a, a pretty spectacular fire at the back end of the car while Latifi was driving it. Um, actually, when you looked at it on camera, this this was not a small fire. It really kind of destroyed the back end of the car. At, at one point, you kind of see slow-mo, uh, I believe, the back suspension part, even maybe the back tire, uh, was engulfed. So they haven't necessarily given us a lot of... Uh, uh, details on what caused the fire. All they said was it's a very, you know, kind of silly small thing. Now, when you describe something uh, like the back end of the car being on fire as, as a silly thing, I, I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, did a mechanic leave, you know, an item in there that, that you know, with the soaring heat combusted. I mean, who knows, right? It could be a number of reasons, but uh, they certainly did not shed any light on it for whatever reason. So they're going to be a little bit on the back foot, um, especially with Haas improving. I don't know how they're going to they're gonna cope, but we're just going to have to wait and see and uh, see how that plays out. So those um, are some of the major or minor points from testing, just uh, projecting for us how this new season, the 2022 season that we're all excited about, um, it is laying down the field to see how this new season is going to progress. It's going to be very interesting, like I said, to see the development of these cars and which team is, is going to lead that development, um, that development, you know, competition, if you want to, if you want to say so. So it'll be very interesting to see that. Now, the, the one last thing I wanted to hit on is, you know, we've all been looking forward to the Netflix series Driving to Survive that actually dropped last Friday. So how many got, how many uh, of you all out there have been binging, have been watching, have been seeing it. Uh, what are your opinions on that? Uh, I personally, you know, of course, have looked uh, forward to it pretty much all off season. Uh, Netflix every year has a tendency to drops to drop it really, really late. And I've mentioned in other podcasts, I wish they would actually release it a little bit sooner than they do. But regardless of that, the season is actually here. Um, I am, I haven't purposely finished it, finished it all the way to the end, but so far it has been good. I believe I'm right around episode six. So I'm purposely <laughs> kind of savoring and, and, and saving my, uh, episodes. So I don't finish everything and, and binge it, you know, all like in a weekend. So it's been real good. Um, you know, I, so far I haven't kind of um, necessarily seen anything that we're not aware of that, you know, you, you look forward to the drive to survive access. I've, I've seen some really interesting things and there's a lot of, uh, um, how shall I say Christian Horner seems to be cast, um, every year as kind of one of the main, I don't want to say actors, but the, the main people, <laughs> Uh, in Drive to Survive. So, uh, you know, I don't know what that arrangement is about, but 
I always enjoy Will Buxton um, and Jenny Gao. That, that is the journalist from BBC. And Will Buxton, of course, is a longtime F1 journalist. Their, their perspective is always really enjoyed and, and they seem to be a mainstay in Drive to Survive. So I hope you guys have had a chance to check it out. Like I said, I'm enjoying watching it. But so we have a really interesting season ahead of us. And so I wanted to give you guys kind of the roundup from testing what we can look forward to in this new season. Um, We are going to have the cars in Bahrain, uh, you know, kind of usher us to the to the new the new look cars that we have. So I'm really looking forward to that. But so that concludes this podcast. As always, I want to thank each and every one of you for the support and listening to the podcast. I look forward to seeing, uh, well, not seeing, but having you guys uh, come back to the podcast again for the Bahrain uh, GP preview. Look forward to that. You guys take care. Bye.